Welcome to the Women Want Strong Men podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stuttle. I believe it takes a strong man to appreciate a strong woman, and I'm here to bring a unique perspective to empower both sexes. I love talking with health experts, thought leaders, influencers, and people who have insightful information to share with us about our health, our society, and our pursuit for success and prosperity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. So the global supplement market is worth over $100 billion annually. My point of that statement is that there are a lot of supplements on the market, and it can be very confusing and overwhelming for the consumer to know what to buy. So the purpose of today's podcast is to help guide people on what to look for in a supplement so they can make an educated purchasing decision. And also, we are going to educate on three supplements that basically everyone should be taking. Those three supplements are vitamin D with K2, omega-3, and B12. To help me do that, I have Kevin Finnegan on the show. And Kevin is a supplement expert that works for one of the top supplement manufacturers in the country. They manufacture high-quality pharmaceutical-grade supplements for only healthcare providers and clinics such as Victory Men's Health. So I would like to welcome Kevin to the show today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we're going to start with why do people need supplements in the first place? It's a good question. The word supplement is, again, just to supplement what is lacking. Um, When you think of supplements, it's not necessarily a replacement for the nutrients that you aren't getting in your diet, but rather to supplement what we're often not seeing as a high nutrient-dense, phytonutrient, multi-mineral, multivitamin type of diet, which is a lot of patients. You need the supplement because there's a number of different processes within the body that if we don't have certain minerals and vitamins that you can't actually convert enzymatic reactions, and then the body's just going to kind of stutter out and you would get sicker and not as healthy as we should be. Yeah. So basically the food that we're eating isn't as nutritious as it used to be. Well, there's been about 80,000 new chemicals introduced since 1900, and our soil is about 50% decrease in nutrient density than what we were even 20, 30 years ago. So the broccoli that you were eating in 1970 has about 50% less nutrients than it does today. Even though you, if you might be eating a good healthy diet with good vegetables and fruit, you're still not having the same nutrient-dense profile, and therefore your body's going to be lacking, hence the supplements. Dr. Nathan Bryan, who we were just talking about before the podcast started, he wrote a great book on this, actually, and he created Neo40, and he deep dives into how our nutrition and our food is just on the decline. So just about everybody out there, I shouldn't say just about, everybody out there has to be supplementing and environmental factors. Mark Hyman hit on that in a recent podcast everybody's going to need to be supplemented. Yeah, I listened to the Dr. Hyman podcast. I met Dr. Brian before, Dr. Nathan Bryan from the Neo40. They're not wrong. We know that even if you have the most perfect diet, if you are sleeping well every night, if you are exercising daily, you're still going to need supplements. The body just doesn't have the ability to take in the types of foods that we're sourcing and be able to utilize them properly to get a good, healthy response in, in the human body. Exactly. So what are some good manufacturing certifications to look for when purchasing a supplement? Because the supplement business is massive, and I think it's difficult sometimes for consumers to distinguish what's good, bad. They just assume if CVS, Walgreens, Amazon, Walmart is carrying the supplement, that it's good for them. 
Yeah, it's kind of the Wild West in the supplement industry. And there are folks who are making supplements in their home and you know putting it into a bottle and selling it online. And there are those who are making it at the pharmaceutical level with the highest quality certifications available. If you're out there looking for supplements, whether it's searching online or going to brick and mortar stores, there's a few certifications that kind of stand apart from other ones. General ones that I like to recommend are uh, CGMP, which is Good Manufacturing Practices. That's the FDA's third party where they go in and ensure that it's made at a quality standards. Um, there's no kind of impurities. That's kind of a good level of supplements from the FDA space. A few other ones are NSF and NSF for Sport. That's the National Sanitation Foundation. NSF and NSF for Sport. The only two differences between those two is NSF for Sport is that when you use those, they're at the same level as professional and Olympic athletes. That means that they can't bring in any banned substance. So a banned substance being steroids or anything that can be considered a performance-enhancing drug. If the facility is NSF for sport, you know that the manufacturing space never brings in one of those ingredients. And name some of the other ingredients because there's other ingredients that can't go into the facility. DHEA. DHEA is for one of them, yeah. So DHEA is kind of that tougher one because we know the benefits that it can have for a lot of people. You know, with aging, you're just going to see a decrease in DHEA. We see decreases in testosterone. We see decreases in DHEA. DHEA is vital for muscle maintenance. It's for neurological support. We see energy production with DHEA, but you can't bring in DHEA into a facility because it's considered a banned substance. So professional athletes can't supplement with DHEA or Olympians. So we consider it the facility an NSF. Just like the victory formulas, the victory formulas are considered NSF because that they are manufactured at a facility that actually brings in DHEA because they work with a wide net of patients that it's not considered NSF for sport. There wouldn't be a difference in the facility. It's just you're not able to consider yourself NSF for sport if you bring in products like a DHA or other banned ingredients. doesn't mean that there's any difference about the facility. It just means it's not bringing in banned substances. So you're very familiar with the Victory line of supplements, and the Victory supplements are pharmaceutical-grade supplements. And explain why being pharmaceutical-grade matters and how that can vary from a supplement that you would buy over-the-counter at a local CVS or maybe a local supplement store. Many of the supplements you see on the shelves, they're more a professional grade or retail formulas. They're not made at the same level as pharmaceuticals. The Victory formulas, they're actually manufactured at a facility that has a registered pharmaceutical NPI. So they make pharmaceutical drugs at the facility that the Victory products are being manufactured, but they're not considered pharmaceuticals. They just go through the same testing and the same quality. When the material for Victory, the raw material gets sourced, it gets brought in. It gets both tested right when it comes in. It gets quarantined for weeks before it actually is able to go into manufacturing. It gets tested after manufacturing, during the manufacturing process, after. Everything that it goes through is the same level as a pharmaceutical drug. So when you're talking about quality, there's a lot of ranges of quality in the supplement space, but the Victory products are made at the highest level of pharmaceutical manufacturing standards. So you don't call them drugs because they're a supplement, that they're an over-the-counter dietary supplement, but they are made at the same level as pharmaceutical drugs are at their manufacturing space. And you know exactly the dosing that's 
on the label is what's actually in the product. Yeah, transparency. That's the wild west of the supplement world comes out because although you may be made at a good facility that's GMP certifications that right the FDA goes in and says hey this is made at a good clean space that doesn't mean that the product itself is getting the proper dosing or the right ingredient or it's not in a proprietary blend right those proprietary blends are a combination of ingredients and you don't know exactly what's in there it could have a five different ingredients in the blend but you don't know what dose or what version maybe of each of those in there with the victory formulas, you know exactly what you're getting. It's full transparency throughout the manufacturing process, the bottling process, the labeling process, and then the finished material. And what certification can somebody look for to give them that indicator that it's a transparent product? That would be TGA. So that's Therapeutic Goods Administration. That's actually Australia's FDA. So even though it's not required here in the U.S. to have a TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, if you have that at your manufacturing facility, you know that you have to go through those pharmaceutical standards, but the end product is going to have the open face labeling with the right dosing, the ingredient, the exact strain of a probiotic, the breakdown of the beef 12 that's in there, the type of fish oil. Everything has to be transparent and clear so that the consumer, the patient knows exactly what they're putting in their body and that the practitioner knows, hey, this is what I'm using for this patient. And we know the end result is most likely going to be this. The Victory products don't have fillers, dyes, unnatural sweeteners. So what should somebody be looking for on the back of the label to make sure that they're not taking a product that has food coloring or yeah. dyes in it yeah. and fillers. Yeah, it's like with anything you pull off the shelf in a, a box of whatever processed food, you want to check the label. The supplement facts is going to give you the breakdown. If it's a food replacement, you're going to see the calories in your macronutrient panel. And then below that, you're going to see your ingredients, the doses, the daily values. But it's those other ingredients, right? And then if you are TGA, if you are manufacturing your formulas at a pharmaceutical facility, Everything you put in there has to appear on the other ingredient list. And you don't want any of your red dyes. You don't want any artificial sweeteners of sulfamate K and sucralose. I mean, those can be neurotoxins. I'm not trying to scare people, but you want to make sure you're getting as pure source of a formula as possible. And if you're adding any sweeteners or any additives to it, that it's a natural sweetener. Stevia or a monk fruit extract. That's going to be something that's going to be a lot easier for the body to process because it's in a natural state. There's a protein powder on the market that I know is very popular that we see a lot of patients coming in and taking. And I was in shock when I flipped over the label and I saw that there was red dye in the protein powder. I was like, how would you ever consider this healthy? Or necessary. Or necessary. Like, this is not healthy to be putting these red dyes in your body. No, it's unnecessary. The body has to go through extra processes and steps and enzymatic conversions to break all that down and be able to do what with it? Nothing. It doesn't give the body any extra benefit. It's a visual benefit that it has a different coloring to it. But in the end, if your goal is health and wellness and longevity, that you're just not going to get that with artificials, dyes, or additives, or fillers, or excipients. Many times those are just used to make the manufacturing process a little bit easier, that it speeds it up. It's going to be a little bit cheaper for manufacturing centers to do that. But if you're getting the right source and you're not adding anything to it, the body's going to take it in a lot better and you're going to utilize it more readily. And I'm not sure people are aware that the supplement 
market, the nutraceutical market, is not regulated by the FDA. Now, out of all the things the FDA has their hand in, I cannot believe they don't have their hand in this. Right. So that's kind of what makes it a little bit of the wild, wild yeah. west. And I think people are surprised to hear that because they just assume if it's packaged and it the label looks nice and it tells me it's healthy and organic that it should be good for me and that is not the case yeah if you are in the supplement industry you don't have to be regulated by the fda you don't have to tell them what you're doing at your manufacturing facility that gmp certification that's just the fda saying hey we have an arm for the supplement space but you don't have to say come on in take a look we'll show you exactly what we're doing you can make something in your garage, in your in your kitchen, put it in a bottle and sell it and put it on the internet. There's just nobody to regulate it. And it is both confusing and scary at the same time. Why aren't they doing that? And that's another conversation for another day. But I wish they probably had more regulation to it. I wish there was more oversight in the community because I don't want patients taking products and potentially getting sick or taking products and not getting any benefit or response to them too. The worst is paying money for something and then nothing happens. And that's oftentimes what happens with many supplements. And I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I'm really passionate about the quality of supplement that we carry at Victory because my husband did get liver failure from an over-the-counter supplement. And when he was at the hepatologist for the liver failure, the hepatologist told us that he sees this on a regular basis, a weekly basis that he sees supplement-induced liver failure. So I think people are surprised to hear that. They're like, what? He bought a supplement and got liver failure? Yeah, he did. So that's why I take where we source our supplements from extremely serious. Yeah. And again, I'm not here to scare anybody out there. I just want to make sure that they're aware of what they're taking. Just like with the food that they're eating or the drinks that they're putting together, you want to identify sourcing to ensure that you're getting the highest quality ingredients, that it's made at the highest quality standards, that they do have good certifications tied to the space and that your end product is exactly what the label says it is. Victory does that. Victory does that because they partner with a manufacturing facility that goes through the extra steps that considers supplements pharmaceuticals, even though they're not regulated the same way. But you know that, hey, if you're taking a drug, then you're getting it from CVS or Walgreens, whatever it might be, that you're going to get that same high-quality response that you are with your supplements. Yeah, because we do hear that from time to time. Let's say a provider recommends vitamin D, for example, and the vitamin D is $20, 90-day supply. And the patient will say, well, I'll just pick that up at Walmart on my way home. And you don't always have enough time to explain why that might not be a good decision or what to look for on the label, this, that, and the other. And so we really encourage patients to either purchase ours or hopefully listen to this podcast so that they can educate themselves on if they don't want to buy a victory branded supplement what supplements they should be purchasing so when you're getting it from a reputable source like victory you know that it's been handled correctly that it's being stored properly and it's coming directly from them and hasn't transferred hands anywhere else so let's talk about the three supplements that we feel like everybody should be taking it's a good foundation sure and it's vitamin D, K2, omega-3, and B12. So let's start with the vitamin D, K2, and why we encourage patients to take that formula together. Vitamin K and vitamin D are fat-soluble vitamins. They both have their individual benefits, and we can always get into those later. 
but you often see them in combination, and I do recommend them in combination. What will happen with vitamin D and K2, and we'll go with more vitamin D3 and K2 specifically, those are the most appropriate versions of those fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin D3, colcalciferol, and K2 being MK7. They both, in combination, are helpful for calcium metabolism, cardiovascular-related concerns, and what will do is they actually absorb better together. They absorb the calcium a lot better, and you can see bone development more readily occur when D3 and K2 are in combination, and then cardiovascular studies as well. They've done children's studies on Crohn's disease and GI-related support. You name it, D3 and K2 are recommended in combination. You can take them separately if you don't have it available, but I do recommend them together because you're going to be able to build bone a lot better. You're going to be helping the decalcification of the arteries and cardiovascular system. So both of those together, highly recommended. So basically the K2 helps direct yeah, where tells the calcium the, tells the, should go. It helps regulate how much calcium too. So if you have too much calcium, you'll know the K2 will know, hey, let's utilize this a little bit more. With the D3 and K2 in combination, they both work synergistically to say, hey, let's tell the calcium this is where you need to go. We're lacking in bone in this location, or we're maybe not as strong in here. Our bodies are really smart, and it looks to repair properly. You know, if there's damage anywhere, and if you're lacking something, and you give a certain nutrient that to help build up that repair, that it's going to do that. And D3 and K2 both talk to one another and say, hey, this is where we need a little bit more help. Let's work together on this and build up the bone and help with calcium metabolism. And there's all sorts of different dosing on the market, 1,000 IUs, 5,000 IUs, 50,000 IUs, and then you get into the K2, you got... 45 mics to 300 mics. It's all over the place. What would you say to a patient (laughs) that's looking at a shelf or even we have several different options at Victory? What's your advice there? My advice is always to work with your medical practitioner, number one, to see if you are deficient in vitamin D. You most likely are. If you're living anywhere where you're not getting full sunlight all the time or if you're putting sunscreen on all the time, you're most likely going to have deficiency or insufficient D3 levels. Getting your D3 levels up to 50 nanograms per deciliter is a good number we shoot for, but a majority of the population is nowhere close to that 50. Even upwards of 60, 70 nanograms per deciliter is a good number to hit. Now, to identify where you're at, you'd have to get a blood draw and get tested from your medical practitioner and then supplement with it. Generally, recommendations are about 5,000 IUs per day of D3. And I say that because it's a fat-soluble vitamin, and when you have a fat-soluble vitamin, it could be a little bit difficult to absorb in the gut if you have digestive issues. Explain what fat-soluble means. Yeah, so it just needs a fat source to really absorb properly into the bloodstream and through the mucosal cells and then upwards into being absorbed into the cell. So you want a patient to eat prior to taking a vitamin D? If you can eat a fat source, even if you have some fat with it, a healthy fat source, a monounsaturated fat, fish and nuts and olives and seeds, those are all good to help the absorption of a fat-soluble vitamin like that. CoQ10, D3, vitamin E, they're all fat-soluble vitamins. But when you are having a good pure source of D3, like colcalciferol, there's less need for adding it with a fat source. Now, that's not to say you can't still have it with fat. It's good to do that. But making sure that you are taking a at least 5,000 IUs per day of D3, the K2, anywhere between 90 micrograms to 180 micrograms is a good dose. Those in combination, you'll typically see that 
5,090, 5,100 is generally what the recommendation for most practitioners are. I haven't seen any literature to support you need 300 micrograms of K2 versus 180 micrograms of K2 in combination with your D3. There just hasn't been a lot of clear-cut data to support, hey, uh, you need a little bit more. Now, if you're doing standalone versions of K2 and it's for cardiovascular support, yeah, you might be upwards of 300 micrograms. But if you're combining the two, it's the general population. You just need a good, healthy source of D3 and K2. I would say about that 5,000 to D3, 100 micrograms of K2. When I was the patient coordinator at Victory, I saw probably thousands of labs come through there. And it would be rare to see somebody in an optimal vitamin D level prior to starting treatment. I mean, it's rare for somebody to be optimal in vitamin D. And I think you mentioned the sun, and I think a lot of people have that mentality like, oh, well, I was out in the sun this weekend, so I'm sure my vitamin D is good. Or summer's coming up, and I'm probably not going to need this supplement anymore. Maybe talk to that and why it's increasingly challenging to get the level of vitamin D you need through sun. I'll even give you a personal story about my own vitamin D3 levels. I'm originally from Arizona, born and raised, sunshine every single day of my life. Lived in Las Vegas for nine years as well and was an outdoor person, love exploring, getting outside. I tested my vitamin D3 levels when I was 25 years old and I hadn't never really paid attention to them before and been outside my whole life. My vitamin D3 levels were 19 and I was a 25-year-old male, healthy, exercise, thought I ate well and I was extremely deficient. And I also used to get sick quite frequently and I was always wondering like, why am I getting sick? Why is my immune system kind of down? And it's because majority of that was probably because my D3 levels were so incredibly low, but I thought I could just get it from the sun everything would be fine. I'm outside all the time. There's 300 days of sunshine a year. And I was incredibly deficient. Most people are going to be deficient as well. They just don't have the ability to absorb as much D3 from sunlight as they used to, or we just cover a lot more. Skin cancers, melanoma is something that you do worry about as well. I recommend wearing hats and long sleeves and sunscreen. But if you're doing it every single day and you're not absorbing that D3 through the skin, then you're not actually able to produce it in the body, and therefore you're going to have all like the issues that are associated with D3 insufficiency. Speaking of vitamin D and illness, how about the correlation between vitamin D and COVID deaths? <laughs> yeah. So those are numbers you can't refute or deny anymore. More data coming out. I, I wish more practitioners would speak upon this a little bit more. Dr. Hyman talked about it on a recent podcast. Yeah, it's something that the data has been showing since August of 2020. They were demonstrating D3 levels in correlation with mortality due to COVID. But the number was zero zero. deaths. Yeah, yeah. Zero deaths with D3 was over 50 nanograms per deciliter. And that's, again, just you can't deny the data on that. But again, another... Topic for another day is why aren't they you know, yeah, discussing it? Dr. Hyman was like, why haven't we been talking about this? We can talk about we it. We won't end up down the rabbit hole today. Right, right. It. But in, in terms of D3 being a pro-hormone, in terms of D3 with neurological protection, with immune support, it's the widest range, I believe, of a vitamin to help with a, a number of different conditions with patients. So that's why, to me, it's the number one thing that almost 90% of the population should be on it because they're just deficient. And my son is 10 years old, and we did a blood test on him here, and he was vitamin D deficient. He's dark-skinned outside all day long. You're like, 10 years old, vitamin D deficient already. Wow. So I just think it's 
a lot of people just aren't aware. Just not aware. Yeah. And it's just something that I think practitioners on all ranges, whether they're the most integrative doctors in the space or the most traditional, they need to be talking about vitamin D3 and what it does for the body and how we're not getting it from our son. And we need to be getting it from a dietary supplement source. And you can take vitamin D orally, or you can take it sublingually with a liquid dropper. Do you have a preference there? I don't. Delivery form is, it's patient specific. Obviously, if you're doing like intravenous or subcutaneous injections of any type of nutrient or supplement, you you may get a better initial feed. But over time, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for an aggregate of how much of that vitamin is in their body. So if you're doing it through topical, if you're doing it through sublingual, if you're doing through oral, I don't care as long as you're getting your D3 levels. Well, this is why I love the SpectraCell micronutrient testing, which you're very familiar with. Yeah. Because I was taking an oral vitamin D at first and kind of what you mentioned it being fat soluble, patient's gut health. And in my serum blood test, my vitamin D looked good. But when I went on to do a micronutrient test, which I'm doing a podcast on this tomorrow, so you'll have to listen to that. But it it, it measures your white blood cell and the lymphocytes. I was deficient. So I switched to the liquid vitamin D, and that was the fix for me. I'm a big proponent of doing the micronutrient testing, and also it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. And the more educated you are and the more data you have, the better purchasing decision that you can make for yourself. Absolutely. And it's something where you need to – it needs to be a part of your – overall health and wellness goals to have good testing, to be monitoring those testing, to do your follow-up testing, to be consistent with your supplementation. It's a wide combination of what you need to do to be proactive to live your most healthy life. So testing, talking to your practitioners, doing your supplementation, and then obviously your exercise, nutrition, your sleep, your stress, all of it is in combination in play. But to really get a good idea of where you're at, you need to do good blood cell testing, not just serum-based testing, because you can really actually see what's happening inside the, the red blood cell. That's going to give you a better indicator of how much you're absorbing and how well you're utilizing that nutrient. Let's move on to omega-3, okay. fish oil. My favorite. <laughs> Your favorite product? Yeah, I just love fish oil. <laughs> Tell us why. Although I think everyone should be on a D3, everyone also probably should be on a fish oil because we're not getting it from our dietary sources. You're not eating enough fish on a weekly basis to be able to increase your omega-3 levels. And if you are eating enough fish, you want to make sure you're getting it from a source that doesn't have any contaminants or not any mercury And this is there. a big deal because this is... It is a big deal. Mercury, metals, radiation exposure. And again, this isn't a podcast for to scare everybody, but we want to make sure that you're aware that you're getting it from a good source that you don't increase your toxin exposure and therefore you have more issues that occur with toxicity and within the body and you got to clear all those and go through all the extra steps so with omega-3 omega-3 is a lot of constituents it's about 33 different constituents associated with omega-3 but the two major ones that people talk about are epa and dha or those are the ones that most prevalent you see on bottles and discussed in the literature EPA is more for like an anti-inflammatory support. You see it more with like cardiovascular. This is like what the pharmaceutical Vesepa is based from. Vesepa is an ethyl ester EPA. And really that's just designed for cardiovascular lipid metabolism, just to bring down those cholesterol levels and support there. But it has a wider net of what EPA can do. EPA is helpful for cardiovascular support and endothelial function and vascular health. It helps with 
proresolvin mediators, which are helpful for inflammation, so your joint support. And then another constituent is DHA. DHA is the other major one besides EPA that you're seeing more neurological health. There's ADHD-related concerns, if there is focus issues, if there are concussion protocols, if there's Alzheimer's dementia in the family, I'm going to be pushing more DHA for patients. So again, I like supplements that are going to have your biggest bang for your buck. They're going to hit the widest range of conditions for patients, and omega-3 and vitamin D both do that. So vitamin D, one that you're just going to get from cold calciferol, Omega-3, you can get it from a lot of different sources. Fish probably being your biggest one, but again, your nuts and your seeds and your olive oils have a good combination of omega-3, some omega-6s, and even some omega-9s as well. But omega-3 is kind of your go-to for a whole multitude of support within the body. What would you say to someone that said, oh, I don't take an omega-3 because I don't like the way it tastes? If you can't get it from your diet, most people can't, then you do have to get it from a supplement source. If you don't like the taste, then you're probably not going to like a oral liquid. Then you probably have to do a soft gel. And with a soft gel, you want to look at the enteric coating that surrounds the soft gel. An enteric coating is typically derived from more fish. But what happens is when you have an enteric coated and it actually gets further down the digestive tract, you don't get those fish oil burps that come back yes. up. And many times if people taste the fish oil, it's because they're probably not taking a good source of it. It's not coated properly. And it might be rancid in the way that it interacts with the enzymes in the gut. It just kicks everything back up and you just get that fish oil taste. If you were to bite it and chew it and it still tastes like fish, that's okay because it's fish oil. It's going to be derived from fish. But if you're supplementing with omega-3 fish oils, you take it, it gets absorbed in the gut, but all of a sudden you start getting that fish oil aftertaste. That's because it wasn't enteric coated properly and it probably had some rancid or it was just not being able to be broken down properly for absorption. This is why I love the omega-3 that your company makes for us, because I don't have that issue at all. I had used some fish oils in the past or some omega-3s that were awful. This is a lot why people don't take fish oil. It's just because that gross aftertaste that they get, and they just want to avoid that for the rest of their life. <laughs> but with the Victory Omega-3 formula, what it is, is it not only coming from clean water sources, it's processed properly, it doesn't use any additives or extraction processes that are toxic. It's just a good, clean fish oil source that gets coated with an enteric coating from anchovies and sardines that are less likely to have mercury exposure. They're just going to be a cleaner source of oil. But the enteric coating and then the actual version of the omega-3, the version of that Victory uses is actually in a monoglyceride form of the oil. If you eat fish, if you take most other fish oil brands, they're either in a triglyceride or an ethyl ester form. If you eat a piece of salmon, it's going to be in triglycerides. But what happens is the body needs to use these bile salts and pancreatic enzymes to break down the fish oil from a triglyceride or an ethyl ester into the monoglyceride. And that's where that fish oil aftertaste comes from. It's because the body's breaking it down into the version that you need to use to absorb it actually into the cells. The Victory version has already bypassed that step. It's kind of pre-burped, it's pre-broken down, so you're absorbing all of the omega-3 and not just a fraction of it that you're doing in like a triglyceride or a ethyl ester version. Is there a time of day that you recommend somebody take the fish oils? That again gets into, I still always love, because it's again, it's a fat, if you take it with other fat-soluble vitamins, you're going to help that out as well. So I actually 
tell people to take their D3 or their vitamin E or their CoQ10 with their fish oil because it does help the absorption. Time of day, as long as there's not a lot of competition within the gut, I try to take it away from competing carbohydrates or heavy protein sources because it compete a little bit. But if you can take it with a fat source, that could be helpful. Morning or night, it doesn't necessarily recommend. The hardest part of supplements is actually taking them consistently. I know Victory has a program that helps with that, with the custom packs that actually help increase compliance and therefore you're more likely to take your supplements and help get your results. We can get really into the weeds of timing with these supplements, but again, omega-3, as long as you're consistent with it, taking with a fat source, you should be pretty good at actually getting it into the red blood cells. What's the difference between omega-3, omega-6, omega-9? Omega-3s and 6s are monounsaturated fats, and omega-9 is a polyunsaturated fat. And so the omega-3s, you're going to see supplements out there that have a combination of theirs or standalones that are out there, and they each have their own benefit. Omega-3 is still the most beneficial version because it has high doses of the EPA and DHA. Omega-6 is an ALA source. You're having more arachidonic acid. And then omega-9 being a polyunsaturated fat, you're going to get that from like almonds and some of your seeds. Again, they each have some benefits to them. The body breaks down and utilizes the omega-3s and 6s a little bit easier than the omega-9. But for me... I still lean more towards the omega-3 because it has a wider net to contribute to health than the 6s and the 9s. But not to say that you couldn't have 6s and 9s in your diets because if you have a well-rounded diet, you have those anyway. Okay, let's move on to the last vitamin, and that's vitamin B12, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. But what is B12 and what are the benefits? B12 is a cobalamin. It's a version of a B vitamin, and there's a lot of different B vitamins, B1, B2, 6s. But the B12 that we're talking about here is a cobalamin that helps with methylation concerns. It helps with neurological concerns. It helps with energy within the mitochondria. You need it for a good, healthy balance of energy and proper methylation within the cell. B12 comes in a number of different forms. It comes in methylcobalamin, cyanocobalamin, adeno, and hydroxocobalamins. And they're not all created equal. This is something that is very important for patients if they're looking at supplementing with a B12 orally in a pill form or in a liquid form, that you want to make sure you're getting the proper cobalamin. If it says cyanocobalamin, just avoid that if you can. That means the body has to go through extra steps and extra processes to convert that into the active form of cobalamin, which is methylcobalamin. If you're see the supplement as methylcobalamin, you know that's the active form. That's the form that the body's utilizing. It's going to be able to take in a lot more readily, and you're going to get the benefit from. Adeno and hydroxo are non-methylated versions of B12. They're more used for what we see in over-methylated patients or those who just, when they take a methylated B vitamin, they may be a little more agitated. They just don't sit well with them. They say, hey, too much B12. I'm a little jittery. That means they're an overmethylator. That's a genetic SNP, single nucleotide polymorphism that we could talk about another time, but they just don't have the ability to convert it into the active form. Therefore, you would use an adeno or an hydroxo form of cobalamin and very beneficial, but there's a more like neurological, a little bit more brain B12, while the methylcobalamin is more like a physical B12. Typically, when you're getting a B12 injection or you're doing an oral, you see it from the methyl form of cobalamin. And you're going to get more of that like energy kick up, that cellular Yeah, why do you, so many people associate it with energy? Well, because I think that's just 
how it was marketed from a long time ago. And all it does have cellular energy components to it. It has neurological benefits to it. It has proper methylation cycles. And when you're deficient in these B vitamins and you're not getting them from your diet and from your plant food sources, that the body just keeps decreasing in its energy potential and you just aren't able to go back. And then when you do give an injection of a B12, you get that real big kick. Now that's good for kind of a one time, but for long term, you need to have your levels of B12 be sustained. Oral supplementation may be the best way to do that because you get a consistent dose every time. And therefore you're gonna see better overall methylation throughout the body. You're gonna see cellular energy, you're gonna see neurological energy. And when I say energy, it may not be like an immediate kick that you get, but you're gonna be more alert, more aware, more able to do the activities that you wanna do, probably be able to sleep a lot better because your body's not overcompensating for the lack of B12 that it doesn't have. The recommended daily allowances that you see on the back of these bottles, and I think B12 falls into this category, why would you need more than what the recommended daily allowance is? Well, the recommended daily allowance is what the FDA says is kind of the bare minimum. It is those numbers aren't necessarily what many in the integrative community would consider sufficient enough to get an adequate response to do its job properly. They're just the baseline for a daily diet if you're trying to have B12 in your diet from a dietary source, that that's the minimum daily allowance that you should be getting. Now, with research and looking at B12 and looking at a number of different supplements of that matter, you more likely are going to need more. And you're going to need more because we're not getting it properly from our food sources, but we're also not converting it properly. There could be toxicity issues within the body. There could be methylation concerns where you're not converting it into the active form. So the FDA doesn't look at each patient and say, this patient needs a little bit more B12 because they may have methylation concerns or they have toxic issues or they're stressed all the time and their body's not able to properly absorb these nutrients or they have gut issues. They just don't know a patient on the individual level. So they're just kind of creating that value to say, yep, this is the kind of a standard number that you would need for a general kind of reference patient. But each patient is different, and that's why you just see different doses on all of these nutrients. B12 come in ranges of 1,000 micrograms, and shoot, I've seen upwards of 10,000 micrograms in vitamin B12 with patients. Another question that we get frequently from patients are, how long do I have to take these, or how soon will I feel better? How would you respond to that? So with just with these three that we're talking about today, and again, there are thousands of vitamins and nutrients and cofactors out there that are necessary for the body. And many times, you know, with supplementation, you want to supplement pretty strong to get the benefit and then slowly see what the body responds and hopefully get off of these supplements. But if there was the perfect patient with the perfect diet and foraging their own foods and sleeping nine hours a night and exercising every day, you're still probably have to supplement some of these things for the rest of your life. You're not getting D3 from the sun and your D3 levels aren't above 50. You're going to have to supplement with D3. If you're not getting enough omega-3s or if you're counteracting it with pro-inflammatory foods in your diet, you're going to need the omega-3. So the D3 and the omega-3 you more likely have to be on for the rest of your life. Now, the dosing may be different. You could have a well-balanced diet. You don't need to take as much. You just want to make sure you're getting sufficient levels to get the best response. B12, you could get it from your diet a little bit more, and if you balance everything out, you might be able to go off of that. 
but typically going on a multivitamin that has a little bit of the B12 or a B vitamin complex that has the other B vitamins might be better than just doing a high dose of a B12 upfront that many people do. Okay. So we obviously agree that there's a lot of other supplements that we love. And we just talked about three today. So we're going to wrap up here, but I want to know what other supplements you're personally taking. I take supplements because again, I don't get enough from my diets. For me, I've had inability to absorb fat soluble vitamins. I just look at my omega threes, my CoQ tens, my D threes, and they're not there. And I just don't have that good ability within my gut to absorb D three or fat soluble vitamins. Besides those major three, what I feel pretty much every other patient might need to be on, magnesium. We are not getting magnesium from our dietary sources. The soil does not have it anymore. And magnesium helps with 300 different enzymatic reactions in the body. I'm a big brain guy. I love anything I can help with my brain. So high doses of omega-3. But there's a version of magnesium called magnesium L3 and 8 that crosses the blood-brain barrier. If you're deficient in magnesium, you have headaches or migraines or foggy brain, it could be a magnesium deficiency. Magnesium deficiency, you can see it in your muscles. You can see it in restless leg issues. You can see it in gut-related issues. But for me, I like magnesium across the body, but especially the version magnesium L3 and 8 because I want to help my brain and deliver proper nutrients to that. Another supplement that most patients need is a probiotic. Everybody's guts are messed up. They're inflamed. They've been drinking coffee for 30 years. They've been eating processed foods. They don't have a balance of anti-inflammatory foods, and they haven't proliferated good bacteria in their gut, and a probiotic will do that. The probiotic helps embed the seeds into the gut, and then you contribute that with good you know, fiber and butyrates and short-chain fatty acid productions, and that helps kind of proliferate all of the probiotics that are in the gut. So probiotics magnesiums, maybe just the multivitamin, and then anything in your high-dose antioxidant family. We're talking curcumins, we're talking resveratrols, your broccoli seed extracts, anything that's good for help building up antioxidants to fight off oxidative stress, to fight off the free radicals, because the more toxins we put in the environment, the more stress that we have, the more oxidative stress that you get within your body, and you need to clear all that. Antioxidants are designed to do that. Love it. Well, I think this was extremely educational, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. No, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it, and I love working with the Victory team and recommending any of the formulas that they have. You ensure that you're getting the highest quality available, and you're going to be getting the results that you're looking for. Well, that's a wrap for Kevin and I today, and all the supplements that we talked about are available on the Victory Men's Health website or the Victory RX website. As always, I'll attach documentation and studies to support our statements on the show. And if you have any questions, you can email podcast at amystuttle.com. And if you're listening, I would appreciate it if you like, follow, rate the show. It is extremely helpful. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you very much. 